Macworld Podcast number 415 for July 9th. 2014, brought to you by Citrix's ShareFile. Enhance your workflow and send files of almost any size easily and securely. Lynda.com. Learn Apple software, the latest technologies, creative skills, and more from easy-to-follow video tutorials at Lynda.com slash Macworld and Betterment, the most popular automated investment service with over 36,000 customers. Welcome to another Macworld podcast. I'm Chris Breen, and back with me, of course, is... Serenity Caldwell, sitting here in lovely, overly sunny Boston. It was overly rainy Boston, and now, once again, it is overly sunny. Okay. Well, it's just uh, consistent weather here in California, as it always is. Kind of As usual. As oh, usual. It's nice. Bother. It's nice. <laughs> it's not too, uh, not too cold, but nice. Um, we are coming back from the long weekend for us in the U.S. because of the 4th of July, and... Uh, not surprisingly, there's not a ton of news following the long weekend because people kind of took time off here and uh, hung out. And me, I yeah, s- who's working? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, this is not going to be an overly long episode today. There's, but we have a few things to talk about. Not all of them necessarily Mac related or Apple related. However, your first item that you sent this morning is uh, related to everybody who uses devices as they fly. Yes. Yes. So the TSA, you know, in in the uh, great vein of sneaking through news on days when no one really wants to read it, uh, put out a bulletin that that, uh, basically if you're coming into the United States from an overseas trip to England or Canada or what have you, um, you better make sure that your devices are charged because uh, now the TSA is requiring that you power up your devices to prove that they are in fact working and not, you know, filled with homemade bombs. You would think that the scanners and the tests, the, the, uh, I can't remember, the chemical tests and all of that would have caught, you know, those kind of things. But apparently that is not enough. Apparently you need to prove that your computer or phone is in operational condition. And if not, well, say goodbye to your hardware, uh, which is a little ridiculous. Now, so far it looks... Uh, we haven't heard any stories of this actually happening yet. The mm-hmm. mandate just kind of came down. Um, and it does look like it's only going to be from international flights coming into the U.S. So you don't have to worry that, you know, your laptop's charged before you hop on a flight to Las Vegas from L.A. or something like that. But um, but it's still a little disconcerting, don't you think? Uh, yeah. Well, for a couple of reasons. One is that when I travel abroad or within this country – I carry about seven devices with me. So does that mean that as I go through security on the way home that I have to have charged all these devices and they're going to take them all out and make sure they turn on? Because, you know, I know that it's uh, getting through security now is so speedy that they need a reason to kind of slow it down. Um So, again, is this going to be a spot? Ch- I have to imagine it's going to be a spot check kind of thing like you there. Oh, you have seven? Never mind. You there with one. <laughs> Let's see. What... No, power up every single one. <sighs> I just, I don't know. Okay, so that's the first thing is that it just seems like, great, that's going to slow things down even more. And you're right. We already are um, x-raying these devices. We have chemical tests for them, but apparently this is not enough. Then there was the decision that came down from the Supreme Court recently in this country where we said, you know, police, you can't just grab somebody's 
phone or device and open it up and look at it just to see what's going on there. I know this is a different sort of thing, but it does seem that the TSA has powers above and beyond what seemed to be normal uh, policy within this country where they could just say, yeah, not only do you have to do this, but you have to show it to us and you have to turn it on. And you have to do this, that and the other thing. So um, those who prescribed the slippery slope sort of philosophy uh, I have to think this is another, oh, really? That next? So, and then, then what? Do we have to show that it can be unlocked and that you have to show something else on it? So, um. Yeah. And that's something that we probably should emphasize is if for some, if for whatever reason the TSA does stop you and re- request this, uh, all you have to show them is that the device can power on. They cannot compel you to unlock your device via thumbprint, via passcode, whatever, um, without a warrant. So, don't uh, if they're like, yeah, we we, we want to see, you know, we want to see the proof that it's yours. Uh, they need legal documentation. Don't okay. Don't comply. Okay. Do not comply, and because I know when you say no to the TSA, they are just awesome about that. They oh, love they're that. They're so awesome. They say, oh, so really? Awesome. You're not going to comply? Okay. Well, we have a room for oh. you in the back <laughs> somewhere. I got into a wonderful shouting, not not, not quite shouting match, but a, a very impassioned discussion with the TSA uh, pat down person when I asked to opt out of the machines back when they still had the backscatters mm-hmm. going um, at Las Vegas. Um, and she, you know, she was like, well, you know, all of those studies are hogwash. And it doesn't cause cancer. And I'm like, well, actually, X, Y, and Z. And uh, yeah, she she was very unhappy that I was quoting research towards her. And so she's like, no, you're absolutely wrong. I'm doing this under protest. And I'm like, well, I'm going through this under protest. So... <laughs> I mean, we are allowed this option, right? So mm-hmm. for them to carp about it, it's like, yeah, you know, my my day is not great either. This inconveniences me. I know we're doing it for security, supposedly. Uh, I'm security sorry theater. if you two are inconvenienced. Let's both write a letter to our elected officials and say, <laughs> gee, this doesn't need to be very effective. And um, hmm. <sighs> right. And, and then the other thing is that, okay, so let's say you can turn it on. Now, I'm assuming that there are people in the world who, if they wish to put an explosive device into a laptop, for example, they could probably manage to do it and turn the thing on at the same time. Yeah, but still. Probably. <laughs> right? I mean, and, and right, and but the explosive is going to show up in, in some other form. So this seems like something for them to do versus something that's really going to be effective. Unless, you know, maybe they have information that we all don't have, which is, I think, the step we all have to take on these things, where new policies come along and say, is this just stupid, or are there developments that we don't know about and therefore necessary? So I suppose we have to leave that as a as a possibility. For now, yes. For now, yes. Okay, so sorry, uh, people visiting our country. Uh, it's really nice once you get in through TSA and through the gates, but uh, it looks like you may be inconvenienced a, a bit more as you make your way here. Um, before we move to the next topic, let's hear from Citrix's share file, which of course enhances your workflow and allows you to send files of almost any size easily and securely. As you're undoubtedly aware in business, we're constantly collaborating with coworkers and clients and sharing files like contracts and spreadsheets and presentations. And it's essential that these important files are kept safe, secure, and under your control. And that's why I recommend Citrix's share file. It's the easy to use business solution that allows you to exchange files quickly and securely. 
For me, ShareFile takes care of the enormous file problem. You know, the one where you want to easily and securely send a file or archive that would normally bust the limits of your email gateway. With ShareFile, you can send files of almost any size, and there are no bounce-backs. You can control who has access to your files and the level of permission that they have. It syncs automatically, so you and your team will always have the most updated materials, and you can access ShareFile from anywhere, using a laptop, tablet, smartphone, whatever. You can work on the go. I want you to try ShareFile with this special offer. Sign up today and receive a 30-day free trial, no obligation. All you have to do is go to ShareFile.com, click on the microphone at the top of the homepage, and enter Macworld. Again, that's ShareFile.com, click on the microphone, and enter Macworld. Up next, robots. 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 That's right. Let's talk about robots. <laughs> when do we not like to talk about robots? Let's be fair. There is never a time when it's not cool to talk about robots. So apparently these are going to be Chinese robots. Or I don't know if they're actually made in China, but they, they're going to be working in China. Um, at Foxconn. At Foxconn. Building things, which is robots are good at. Yes, and they'll be called Foxbots after the company's uh, nom, uh, name, nom de plume, um, that will be able to assemble upwards of 30,000 devices, so says the unofficial Apple web log. Um, however, there's no real uh, actual time frame on this. No, like, they're going to be available starting now. Um, and the robots sound like they're going to be a little bit expensive to manufacture, um, close to $25,000 U.S. Um, supposedly Foxconn has some, has some robots that they're working on and they're testing, uh, but we'll see how, how soon that actually comes into play. Uh, on the plus side, robots can't really talk to New York Times reporters, so <laughs> there's that. <laughs> there's that, and they don't take pictures of unreleased products and post them on the internet. Exactly. Um, why is this a surprise? I mean, isn't everything built by robots mostly? I mean, if you look at a, a a plant that's building cars or toasters or washing machines, a lot of that stuff is robotic. Yes, there's some people along the line who go, yeah, good robot, and pat them on the head and oil <laughs> them every so often. But um, I, I have to wonder if this is just another, oh, it's about Apple, so let's let's write a story about this, that they're going to replace workers. Maybe they're going to replace them or give them something else to do. Yeah. With robots? I think it's got to just – it's it's a – oh, Apple's mentioned in the news exactly what you're saying. Um, because, you know, they say, oh, Foxconn is looking into adding robots. Robots are building your iPhone 6. iPhone 6s are building iPhone 6s. Skynet is upon us. Yeah, um, I guess. You know, because, I mean, I know – I'm aware that my car has been knitted by by people, <laughs> you know, in – Detroit somewhere or Tokyo somewhere, but um, yeah, robots are, we have, ro I mean, if they were like Android-like robots, you know, where they could talk and, yeah. uh, and had faces. That would be very cool. Yeah, that would be cool, you know, and that would be. A little alarming, but. <laughs> yeah, yeah, as long as the, all they did was build <laughs> iPhones, or I suppose they could be pro reprogrammed to build iPod touches and, and iPads yeah. too. But uh, I kind of think of them as being big things with metal arms and, and the kind of thing that's going to show up in an Apple video before a keynote, right? Before they say, oh, and by the way, here's our robot encrusted. Our robot army. <laughs> right. And which we all just go, yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, you look at the uh, Mac Pro factory in Texas, and I do believe that there are quite a few robotic arms swinging around and, and moving pieces um, 
to help build the Mac Pro. So it's it's not unusual for an Apple-contracted uh, or Apple-owned factory to do this. Okay. Well, in that case, uh, media, media <laughs> alert, please. If they're cool robots, feel free to write about it. If they're just robots like we have everywhere else, not so much. Eh. Yeah. Okay. So, moving on to something else that maybe is more interesting, and I do. I think this is this is better and futuristic. Um, you sent me a story about a patent, and normally we don't pay attention to patents because everybody yeah. files patents. But this one sounds interesting. Yeah. This one, um, actually, John Gruber on Daring Fireball linked to it, which is how I I saw it originally. It's on Patently Apple. Um, as Apple has patented uh, what they're calling lo- location-based security for the home and car. Um, which is something that I know our colleague Dan Warren has been clamoring for for ages, uh, which is to say, if I go into a certain location, say my house, I don't need to enter in my passcode 10 million times because, hey, it's my house, and chances are the person who's using it is me. Um, or when I get into my car, instead of having to worry that I'm going to have to type my 16-digit passcode if I don't have uh, Touch ID on a device to access my music or directions, um, it intelligently recognizes, oh, hey, you're a car. You're my car. Maybe I should just bypass that whole passcode thing and, and let you directly work with me. Um, so these those two things are... are Really potentially cool, and the any any kind of like geofencing combined with intelligent uh, intelligent security really makes me excited. Are there ways to sort of get around security? Well, sure. I mean, your your kid picks up your phone when you're in your house. Maybe that's a problem, um, and maybe you don't want to take away your passcode when you're at your office. But there's a there's a lot of cool stuff that could potentially be happening for this what do you think i do think there's a lot of cool stuff um when apple came out with the 5s uh, iphone and there was you know they have more uh chips in there like the the m7 processor for example that does things like uh it can tell uh it tells the location of the device it can tell if the accelerometer is working um it seemed to me that the next logical step would be to get into your car for or not me but actually my daughter when she gets to an age where she can drive she gets into the car with an apple device an iphone for example and as soon as she starts up the car it understands oh she's in the car oh it's moving and now i'm going to shut down texting i'm going to shut down anything that's going to distract her so the idea of being geofenced within a car makes so much sense um, for safety. I know that there are companies that are sort of driving to use more technology in the car, <coughs> Google. Um, but I think the idea of actually using less of it in the car when you should be paying attention to the road until the point where we have self-driving cars. Um, so I am very interested in this patent Certainly, it's just application to a car, and it could certainly work in commerce as well. So that when you're walking into a store, again, it's geofenced. It knows that you use an application that's related to that store when you get there. It unlocks and says, hey, guess what's on sale today, and here's how to get to it. Um, so I hope this is along, coupled with iBeacons and some of the sensors built into the phone, that this is kind of the real coming of location-based security and convenience, because it's something that we've been wanting a long time, even back on the Mac when 
they have these little location settings and you take your laptop from one place to another and you wanted it to connect to a different Wi-Fi network and just know it was there and connect to this printer and do that thing. Um, and we thought that would be a very whizzy thing to happen in the future. And I think this patent hints that exactly that is going to happen. Yeah, um, there's a lot of promise here. So obviously Apple has patented many things, including like fancy styluses and stuff that we know will never come to market. Um, what? Never? Never. Not never, diamond encrusted well. stylus, no. <laughs> Maybe in an alternate universe. Um, but I, this is a patent that I really hope comes to fruition um, and hopefully sooner rather than later. Okay, good. Well, we'll put that down as Apple. Yes, do that, please. And soon. And uh, before we get to another item, here's a word from lynda.com. Whether you want to get tips on the latest online tools, learn how to use Photoshop, or improve your Excel skills, lynda.com is the goods, offering over 2,000 high-quality and engaging video courses on a variety of topics taught by industry experts, with courses added daily. They have a wide breadth of courses, from beginner to advanced. The videos include animations and diagrams, and it's easy to find what you need. And all it costs is $25 a month, and that provides access to the entire library. For any software you might rely upon, including Microsoft Office, Adobe Creative Cloud, Final Cut Pro, Logic Pro 10, and more, lynda.com can help you stay current with product updates and learn all the ins and outs of your software tools to be more efficient and productive in your professional or your personal life. Lynda.com has just released a new iPhone and iPad app for iOS 7, and the iOS app includes a more visual, intuitive interface and offers offline courses and video viewing, which makes it easier and convenient to learn even in environments without internet access. Now, I happen to be a Lynda.com author, and so I have access to the library and find it an invaluable resource when I need to learn about subjects I'm not otherwise familiar with. I've been spending a lot of time lately with Linda's Logic Pro 10 and Final Cut Pro 10 videos, as well as Ben Long's photography courses. Sometimes I'll work my way through an entire course, and others I'll tune into a particular movie to learn a specific skill. Either way, it's a great experience. As a user of Apple products, you'll find these courses helpful. Unix for Mac OS X users, Logic Pro 10 Essential Training, Final Cut Pro 10 Essential Training, iMovie 11 Essential Training, Photoshop CC Essential Training, Excel 2013 Essential Training, iOS 7, iPhone and iPad Essential Training, and my very own iPad Tips and Tricks and iPad for Business. You owe it to yourself to check it out. And you can do that for free for seven days by visiting lynda.com slash Macworld. That's L-Y-N-D-A dot com forward slash Macworld to start your seven day free trial. Now we're going to test my pronunciation powers um, in two cases. Uh, there is a, a Swiss watchmaker and it is named, I hope, Tag Heuer. And uh, they have a VP of sales. And here's pronunciation test number two. I think it's Patrick Pruneau. And if it's not Mr. X, excuse my terrible American pronunciation. Anyway, so he left uh, the company last week to take a contract with Apple. And this was reported by somebody else who worked at the company. Um, where this is important is that we're really talking about the iWatch, we assume. Um, and you've seen, the, you've seen pictures of the Google I.O. smartwatches, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I.O. was just a couple weeks ago, so they were kind of showing off their varied clunky designs. <laughs> exactly. Good. Because I was going to ask you what you thought of the design. I think they're really ugly. They're terrible. Well, okay. So, you know, they're not 
They're not the worst thing that I've ever seen in the world. Okay. But one of the first pictures I saw was on women's wrists and um, on uh, a friend of mine who works at Wired. And the the watch was literally bigger than her wrist. Like it was falling off on the sides. Her wrist was not wide enough to 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 hold the entire face of the watch. That happens. That's not a watch I would like to wear. That's that's a shackle. Yeah, right. Yeah, because I was watching the stream of the um, the Google I/O keynote, <laughs> and I noticed they had everybody wearing them. And you know, it looked ugly on on the men because you know it just did because it's ugly. But yeah. then then uh, a woman came out wearing one, and I just thought, wow, that really looks bad on women. Just as you say, simply because. Women tend to have smaller wrists, and this thing was enormous on there. And I thought it was a bad marketing move to show off this thing on someone <laughs> and go, wow, boy, I wouldn't be caught dead wearing that thing. So where this um, gets interesting is that Apple, I think, understands fashion. And, and people will sometimes knock the company for that, just saying, oh, yeah, well, it's all about looking good. But I think in the case of something like a watch, something you want people to wear, it's got to look good. Absolutely. And so to hire somebody like this, assuming this is about the iWatch and that's why they've hired this person, that makes a lot of sense to me. And I, it makes me more intrigued than ever to see what Apple's going to come up with in regard to something like an iWatch. Because I don't think they're going to follow the, the Samsung and the other models that have come out where they are just huge and ungainly. And again, it's something that like Google Glass that, that geeks might wear because it's for them, technology trumps fashion, but I don't. I don't see that in the cards for Apple. I think they want to sell a lot of them, and they're going to sell them to everybody instead of just like the few people say. Oh, well, you notice this enormous brick on my arm here is my <laughs> new iWatch, and it's fabulous. It's so wonderful. You know what? I'm a I'm a technology geek, and I like having a lot of different stuff. But there's a there's a line. Like I, I'll <laughs> never, despite the fact that it costs sixteen hundred dollars, I would never get Google Glass because it just, you know, this the. I don't know. It's common sense uh, aesthetics. Yeah. I'll call it that. You know, it's the same reason why um, I didn't own a television for a long time because, you know, when it was when they were big and boxy and kind of cumbersome. Well, eh, didn't but, go with your stuff. Yeah, exactly. All right. Yeah. Well, you could, and I pity people trying to make smartwatches now because I know they want to get ahead of things. And uh, because we know it's coming, wearables are coming, but they still have to deal with things like battery issues and putting wireless, you know, chips in there. And these things take a lot of room, particularly if you want to get all day wear out of something versus four hours or five hours. So you do have to design it. So one, it holds enough of a battery so it can function and has a display that's functional as well. Instead of looking at this little teeny tiny display and then trying to tap on it, assuming that mm -hmm. it has a touchscreen. So it's a it's a real challenge, and I'm I'm interested to see what Apple does. You you know you've seen the prototypes where it isn't sort of that square that rectangular, but rather it's more like a band that has a curving display, which would I would think would solve the issue of having enough room to touch the thing. Plus, it's not going to look quite so bulky. Um, and hopefully, you know, they put the battery somewhere where it's not intrusive and, and doesn't, uh, you know, put this big block on, you know, on your wrist, on the bottom of your wrist versus the top of it. Um, exactly. Yeah. And then, and then sell the thing as something that people would actually want to wear and then not charge an arm and a leg for it. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't have to look like high fashion jewelry. It just has to be functional. Like, there are so many, there are plenty of nice watches that aren't, you know, they aren't diamond encrusted, but they're still 
pleasant to wear and easy to read and that those those are the two most important things for me is like i don't care if it can do all the things in the world if it's the size of my entire arm there's a little bit uh, a little bit too much there yeah i mean if i want something that large i've got one it's my iphone i'm not going to strap exactly. to my wrist <laughs> but i can get to it pretty easily so that's i think that's got to trump that where why is it worth having this device? If it's just to put some big block on your arm, then it's not. You already have a block. But if it's going to look decent and actually provide some real functionality, then sure. Um, and then I think the other thing for people who discount Apple because of fashion, um, particularly people who tend to be very technical, I think we have to remember the lesson from the iPod mini years ago where it cost almost as much as a full size. It had one-fifth of storage but it was in colors. And, mm-hmm. you know, those of us who, who were around at the time looking at the thing said, well, they'll never sell these because, you know, the, you look at the specs and they just don't compare favorably to the full-size one. But the things sold like hotcakes because people do care about fashion and they wanted a cool-looking device. And those of us who were technical didn't get it. And I've tried to get over that since then and realized mm, fashion sells. So I do think that Apple's going to be very, very careful about what this thing looks like versus the, um, you know, just putting a bunch of functionality into a block. Absolutely. All right. Um, let's, uh, let's come back with just a little bit more. Um, but before we do, a word from Betterment, the most popular automated investment service with over 36,000 customers. What if managing your investment portfolio was as easy as using your favorite iPhone app? It is now, with Betterment, the most popular automated investment service with over 36,000 customers. Betterment has seamlessly integrated technology and years of investment expertise into one elegant application that will transform the way you invest. Betterment's UX and UI are adored by tech and design enthusiasts alike, especially since SignUp is quick and doesn't involve all the red tape of other investment providers. Their platform customizes a globally diversified portfolio based on your personal goals and time horizon. Once you've invested, everything is automated from rebalancing and tax minimization to regular deposits from your bank account. With killer technology under the hood and iPhone and Android apps to make it easy to check your progress on the go, it's hard to believe that Betterment is as low cost as it is. Investing with Betterment saves you time and money, improves your returns, and minimizes your taxes. For a limited time, Betterment is offering Macworld listeners up to six months of automated investment management for free. All you have to do is visit Betterment.com slash Macworld. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-M-E-N-T dot com slash Macworld. Well, we've got a little bit more time here today in our in our Monday afternoon, so we can mention, of course, that uh, if you're a developer, the newest beta uh, of iOS and OS X has now hit the stage, um, so you can go on ahead and download that if you have appropriate developer credentials, um, and I'm personally very excited about that, uh, having, you know, certain, testing certain things, Um uh, although it's interesting, we're we're now you know halfway through the summer, and uh, still no public beta for Yosemite. Right? Yeah, they said this was coming this summer, but you know Apple can be um, <laughs> they can be very specific about summer and say, <laughs> well, technically it's September eighteenth, and so that's still summer in the northern hemisphere. So uh, they do have some wiggle room, and, um, they and do. Maybe, maybe they'll 
go along. Now, did you obtain developer credentials simply so you can have early access to this stuff? Um, no, I've had developer credentials for a number of years, um, in part because I do like I like testing and I, I do like giving feedback to the uh, to the developers at Apple because I think it makes our operating systems more sound. Um, and there was a while there back in back in 2010, which is when I originally signed up for my developer account. Um, I did it because I was convinced that I was going to make an iPhone app um, before I joined Macro for a hmm. full time. I was like, you know what? I want to learn a new skill. I'm going to learn Objective-C. <laughs> and that lasted for about a month when I realized that Objective-C is, is a little more complicated than the uh, two hours of free time that I had every day. Um, but uh, – I still have, you know, an active account and I feel like eventually I'll come back to it, especially uh, with Swift, with the new uh, mm -hmm. development language that got released at WWDC. Um, that like, that has me thinking, well, you know, if this roller derby thing ever gives me a free, <laughs> free couple of weeks, maybe I'll sit down and, and see if I can take a crack at learning it. Um, I've already looked at some of the, uh, some of the documentation and it seems very, very well thought out, very, um, very easy to read. Uh, which is impressive for a, for a modern scripting language. Awesome. Well, I am one of those people who purchased the um, two developer accounts, one for iOS and one for OS X, not because I'm ever going to be a developer. I could not get text edit to <laughs> say, hello world, even if I typed it in. Uh, but I did want to have early access to these things because we do write about them. And we, of course, we don't write about them when they're under NDA, but you want to get prepared for them as as uh, things come along. And I think there are more people like that now that, that given that it's $99 per account versus what it used to be, which was a lot more, I think it was 500, um, before per year. Um, so a word to those people like me who've, who've been getting these things going, Oh, this is so great. I've got early access. Um, unlike Lex Friedman and, and maybe some other people I work with, uh, do not install this as your primary operating system. No, no bad things. We get to do it because we get paid for it, but still not on our primary mm -hmm. systems. Um, these are our secondary systems. So um, mostly. <laughs> did you have you installed on primary? Did you have a dream about doing that once? <laughs> I may have done it on my primary phone, which is which I've had limited uh, ups and downs with. But again, that's the that's the. Uh, the warning about, you know, installing unreleased, unfinished software on your primary devices, like things are just not going to work. And you got to be okay with that. <laughs> right. Because we're kind of accustomed to seeing stuff as beta, like Google, everything on Google is beta. And uh, companies will release things as beta and you, and you really know that they're quite finished. Um, they keep the beta um, name on them for legal or i don't know what the reasons are but there's some reason that they have to do well, it there's maybe they want to play around with adding new features and right. taking features away so they put the beta label on it as more of a like just so you know you know we haven't added everything that we want to but it's stable whereas you know if you're signing up for a beta program a developer beta program um there are probably some features that are not fully baked and you're going to open say an app and then just have it crash on start and unfortunately that's not the app maker's fault um, and it's not Apple's fault. It's just this is what happens when you have bugs and new APIs in the system. Not everything is going to magically work. Um, it takes a lot of hard work and a lot of a lot of bug testing. So uh, <laughs> so if you are a developer or have a developer account um, and you decide to install your beta, A, 
Don't install it on your primary system because it's not the best of ideas. Um, and B, you know, don't uh, don't go railing against your favorite app manufacturer if your app doesn't work perfectly under this beta system. That is not their fault. The official release of iOS 8 is not for many months yet. Uh, if it, you know, if the app is still broken when the Grandmaster is out, then great. You know, you can send them a helpful email. But um, I just, I've seen so many people write terrible reviews of like, oh, one star, my app is broken all of a sudden. And then you go and try and place customer support. And they're like, oh, well, uh, I'm running the first beta of iOS 8. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Yeah. Surprise. Surprise. That's what happens when you do that. Yeah. Okay. So word of warning for everyone. And with that word of warning, I think we'll wrap up kind of slow this week, but uh, hopefully next week brings many new and exciting things that we can talk about. Absolutely. All right. Well, it was lovely to talk to you, Chris. As it was with you. And that wraps up another episode of the Macworld Podcast, brought to you by Citrix's ShareFile. Enhance your workflow and send files of almost any size easily and securely. Lynda.com. Learn Apple software, the latest technologies, creative skills, and more from easy-to-follow video tutorials at lynda.com slash Macworld and Betterment, the most popular automated investment service with over 36,000 customers. If you have any comments or questions, drop us a line at podcast at macworld.com. Thanks very much for listening.